Hello, this is Chris, and for the next hour, I'll be reading from the May 30th to June 1st issues of the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Let's start with some news. Authorities probing deadly plane crash, Brian Quinn. Federal investigators were expected to be on the scene by Monday as the piecing together of the fatal plane crash in Orleans County that killed two men continued. The NTSB said Monday that an investigator was responding to the scene of a Whitman W-5 Buttercup crash. The crash happened Sunday in the late afternoon near Yates-Carlton Town Line Road near the Yates-Carlton boundary. The investigator will document the accident site, airplane, and gather witness statements, if there are witnesses, and any surveillance video that may have captured any part of the accident flight. The investigator will also collect any flight track or radar data and preserve any communications with air traffic control facilities, NTSB Media Relations' Peter C. Knudsen told the Daily News. A preliminary report, which will detail the facts and circumstances of the accident, is expected in two to three weeks. The final report, including the probable cause and any contributing factors, is expected in 12 to 24 months. Orleans County Sheriff Christopher Burke said Sunday that the pilot took off from Gaines Valley Aviation Airport in Albion. He said he wasn't sure how long the small plane was in the air before the crash. We're continuing to investigate and interview any witnesses. We're trying to determine the cause of this crash, Burke said. It is apparent that a catastrophic mechanical failure happened with this aircraft. The county sheriff's office secured the scene Sunday night into Monday morning. The Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, asked the sheriff's office to continue to secure it for the National Transportation Safety Board. They're going to try to piece together the chain of events that occurred, he said. Also, the State Department of Environmental Conservation is on the scene and the spill team. There was some fuel spillage at the crash site that is contained and that is under control. We are removing bodies from the wreckage. They will be transported to the Monroe County Medical Examiner's Office for further investigation and examination. It is our belief that the pilot was giving rides today in this aircraft off and on throughout the day. Burke said late Sunday night that authorities were still trying to contact the families of the two men killed. Some family is on the scene, but they're asking that we give them some time to make additional notifications, he said. Burke said the 911 center got multiple calls at 5.42 p.m. Sunday of a plane down in the area of Yates-Carlton Townline Road and Platten Road near the boundary of Carlton and Yates. Carlton and Lindenville firefighters and sheriff's deputies were dispatched. Upon arrival, they discovered the fuselage of a plane behind a residence on Townline Road on the west side of the road. In the fuselage, we discovered two occupants of the aircraft that were deceased, he said. On the east side of the road, there were some parts of the plane. They appear to be wings. The wings came off. The plane continued west. I'm going to estimate 1,500 yards more away from where the wings dropped. The sheriff said the plane crashed in a cow pasture that included grass and clover. Pilot and passenger were in the plane. The FAA had just arrived at the scene, Burke said, at a little after 10 p.m. Sunday. An NTSB investigator was scheduled to arrive Monday. Lindenville firefighters and Orleans County Emergency Management were assisting on the scene, Burke said, along with the New York State Police. I don't think there's any environmental concern. It was a small aircraft. It was experimental, homemade, so the fuel tank is relatively small. The gasoline at the crash site is relatively small amount of fuel, he said. Crash victim seriously injured, Batavia. 
City police are investigating a West Main Street crash involving a motorcycle and blue van that sent one person to the hospital via Mercy Flight with serious injuries on Friday evening. The victim, Gregory Vigiano, 34 of Batavia, was listed in guarded-slash-critical condition as of Saturday morning, according to the city police. Vigiano was operating a motorcycle eastbound on West Main Street at the Tops intersection when the van, driven by Rebecca Santiago, 32, of Stafford, allegedly made an illegal left turn, colliding with the motorcycle, police said. Santiago was ticketed for making an illegal left turn and operating with a suspended driver's license. Vigiano was taken to a landing zone on the grass in front of the New York State Veterans Home on Richmond Avenue. City firefighters responded to the call at 5.58 p.m. Friday. Firefighters, police, and Mercy EMS were on the scene. Santiago and a passenger in her van were not hurt, police said Friday. The accident remains under investigation. Police told the Daily News on Friday that both vehicles had a green light while the van was turning left into a parking lot on the south side of the road. The motorcycle was eastbound on West Main Street. Police said their understanding was that the van turned in front of the motorcycle as it was going through the intersection. Police said Friday that they hoped to find video footage to get a better idea of what happened. Anyone with information is asked to contact Officer Sam Freeman at 585-345-6350 or submit a tip to www.bataviapolice.org. Winning lotto ticket sold in Leroy. If you bought a Cash for Life ticket Sunday in the village, you'll want to check your numbers. The second prize winning ticket worth $1,000 a week for life was sold at the Crosby store on 110 West Main Street. Ticket is worth a guaranteed minimum of $1 million. The winning numbers for the Cash for Life game are drawn from a field of 1 to 60. The cash ball is drawn from a separate field of 1 to 4. The Cash for Life drawing takes place daily at approximately 9 p.m. A lottery draw game prize of any amount may be claimed up to one year from the date of the drawing. Victims Identified in Yates Plane Crash Brian Quinn, Yates Two victims have been identified in Sunday's plane crash tragedy. Earl J. Luce Jr., 70, of Brockport, was a longtime pilot who died after the wings apparently detached from his home-built aircraft. The crash occurred off Yates Carlton Townline Road as Luce was taking his friend Morris Wartman, 72, of Rochester for a flight. Both were pronounced dead at the scene by the Orleans County Coroner's Office. Luce had been flying for almost 40 years. Preliminary investigation found that the wings of the Whitman W5 Buttercup became detached from the fuselage and fell to the ground, landing in an orchard. The fuselage of the aircraft continued west approximately 1,000 to 1,500 yards before crashing into a pasture behind a residence, Sheriff Christopher Burke said in a press release Monday. Orleans County Sheriff's investigators, along with our federal partners from the FAA and the NTSB, continue to investigate the fatal crash of a single-engine, fixed-wing, hand-built experimental aircraft that occurred on May 28, 2023, at 5.42 p.m. in the town of Yates, Burke said. The Orleans County Sheriff's Office would like to extend our deepest condolences to the families of the victims of this tragic event. County Office of Emergency Management Director and Fire Coordinator Justin Niederhofer said his office was at the scene on Sunday, but has not been involved since then. We responded to the initial incident. We were just coordinating resources and logistics for the fire department and the sheriff's office, Niederhofer said. Sheriff's investigators and the National Transportation Safety Board were at the site Tuesday to continue the investigation. 
Luce had survived a separate crash several years earlier. On August 23, 2017, Luce was flying alone when the home-built Heaton Paul experimental aircraft crashed during takeoff at the Gaines Valley Aviation Airport. The call came in to 911 at 7.49 p.m. The plane Luce was flying at the time of this crash was owned by a friend, Stephen North of Rochester. Luce said something let loose as he was taking off and the plane veered to the left. He attempted to correct the direction. The plane was headed toward some buildings so he could let it continue left into deep woods. Pilot said he had flown this plane many times without incident, Luce said. City Fire Department Investigating Union Street Fire, Brian Quinn, Batavia. City Fire investigators are looking into the cause of a fire that broke out Monday and damaged a garage at 19 Union Street. Firefighters were dispatched at 4.55 a.m. and had the fire knocked down about 15 minutes later and completely out at 5.21 a.m. Two firefighters suffered minor sprain-slash-strain injuries but remained on active duty at the scene, Captain Robert Fix II said. The police department was patrolling the area and smelled smoke that did not seem like your typical backyard campfire, Fix said. They were driving around the block investigating and they noticed the garage on fire. When firefighters first got to the scene, there were flames coming out one wall and around parts of the garage door and a lot of smoke, he said. We just pulled a line off the engine, stretched it to the front of the building, put the visible fire out, the captain said. Firefighters then went to the back door, stretched the line, and attacked the fire from the back of the garage. Six said the fire in the 15-by-20-foot single-car garage is probably accidental, but is under investigation. The fire was out within 20 minutes. I would guess the garage is probably going to need to be heavily repaired or replaced, he said. Firefighters cleared the scene at 7.11 a.m. Wyoming chooses the Mighty Eagles, Matt Sertel, Wyoming. Wyoming Central School's new mascot is about to take flight. District residents, students, and staff have selected the Mighty Eagles as the school's new mascot. All that's needed now is a Board of Education vote to make it official. I definitely think people are excited about it, said Superintendent Emily Herman. It was the top choice as far as the community voted and the students and the staff voted. It was number one. I think most people are excited about it. The district is among several in the GLOW region which changed their names due to a state decision regarding Native American mascots and logos. It's believed to have used the Indians moniker since its inception at the 1930s. A series of votes was conducted among students and staff to choose a new mascot, while area residents participated during school budget voting. The Mighty Eagles were tops among five choices, which also included the Hawks, Maple Leafs, Wolverines, and the Wolves. After careful consideration and consultation with students, staff, and the wider community, we have chosen the Eagles to represent our spirit, values, and determination, district officials said on the district's website. These remarkable creatures embody a range of outstanding characteristics that align perfectly with our school's principles and aspirations. The Board of Education is expected to vote Tuesday on the Mighty Eagles moniker while officially retiring the Indians. Herman said a formal unveiling will be developed at some point. Besides being excited about the new mascot, this year's 8th graders are excited to be departing the district as the last class to have been the Indians, she said. Students attend kindergarten to 8th grade at Wyoming before transferring to Attica Pavilion or Warsaw High Schools. In the meantime, the district has also announced the Eagles on its electronic bulletin board outside the building. The other area districts facing mascot changes are Letchworth and Keshequa, which use the Indians, and Avon, which uses the Braves. Their choices have not been announced. More help available through Fresh Connect. Brian Quinn, Batavia.
Genesee County Veterans Service Agency Director William Joyce has a 2023 allotment of Department of Agriculture Fresh Connect checks for veterans to help them get food at local markets. The checks from the Department of Agriculture may be redeemed at participating farmers markets, farm stands, and mobile markets. Fresh Connect checks can be used to purchase dairy, produce, meats, fish, eggs, and more. Joyce said that this year, the amount of veteran may receive in checks is higher than last year. They went from $20 a veteran to $50. In past years, they were only for New York State accredited service officers, and they had to be paid by New York State, Joyce said. We, as county services, we're paid by the county, and we weren't allowed to have Fresh Connect checks until last year. This is our first year of getting them. The VSA director said the Fresh Connect checks arrived last week. The agency is in County Building Number 2, 3837 West Main Street Road. The phone number is 585-815-7905. Veterans need to come into the office with proof they are a veteran, and then they need to sign for the Fresh Connect checks, he said. I received 5,000 checks, totaling $2 each. Joyce said he made numerous calls to people about allowing county veterans service agencies to receive these checks for veterans. You can't buy alcoholic beverages with them. You only get them issued once a year, he said. The increase in the check's value was included in the state budget, the VSA director said. It was a surprise. It's always been $20, and they took it to $50, he said. They more or less run on the same guidelines for the SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, food items. That's more or less what the limitations are. Joyce said that as soon as he received the Fresh Connect checks, he would email veterans organizations to let them know the checks had arrived. We just had training two weeks ago, and they said they would be coming. We have to split every packet open and make sure the QR code is on there. Not just the QR code, but everything has to be printed on there correctly, he said. This is so the farmer can be reimbursed by the state for lost revenue. State Department of Agriculture says Fresh Connect aims to expand access to fresh food in underserved communities to improve the diets of individuals in those communities and foster economic development. These checks are accepted in New York State only at farmers markets, farm stands, and mobile markets. No application is required from markets or stands who want to accept Connect checks. They must sell eligible food items. Aside from veteran service agencies, markets may issue the checks if they participate in the New York State Wireless EBT program and annually request the checks. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Honoring their past, Brian Quinn, Batavia. As retirees from the city police department and relatives of officers who have passed on gathered around the gravesite of one of the city's finest, the department conducted a brief flag commemoration ceremony at St. Joseph Cemetery. The officers and community assembled at the grave of Officer Andrew McCulley Wednesday afternoon. Department personnel honored McCulley. It's recognizing all of our departed members, departed retirees, said Police Chief Sean Hoybush after the ceremony. We chose Mr. McCulley's gravesite this year. Last year, we chose Chief Anthony Horsch's gravesite. Next year, we'll choose another officer's gravesite to have our ceremony next to. McCulley is the second oldest deceased member of the department, the chief said. We're going in order of how old the folks were, Hoybush said. During the brief ceremony, Hoybush said he spoke about the importance of remembering the department's deceased members. It's very important. You serve a career. You have a career in law enforcement. In this instance, Mr. McCulley served 45 years with the city police department, he said. Once you're retired, and unfortunately when you pass on, a lot of times memories get forgotten. We want to make sure we honor and remember those officers that retired from our department wearing our uniform.
Macaulay was one of the officers who rose through the ranks with the department, serving when Batavia was a village and after it had been incorporated as a city in 1915. He held several titles throughout his career. He started in 1886 as a constable, is my understanding. He held many, many ranks, including chief at one point in time. Moivish said of Macaulay, he ultimately retired as a police officer. Macaulay was police chief for 10 years and was a captain and patrolman until his death, the city said. Four of the officers at the ceremony served as an honor guard, and the others came to pay their respects, Hoybish said. Flags are being installed in holders at about 50 graves at various cemeteries across Genesee County. Flags are being attached to deceased officers interred in the Monsignor Schwartz Mausoleum. The flags and metal flag holders were produced and donated by H.E. Turner and Company, Inc. Funeral Home in Batavia. County Farmer's Market Returns, Brian Quinn, Batavia. The Genesee County Farmer's Market is right around the corner, set to make its 2023 debut from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Friday in the lot at the corner of Bank Street and Alva Place. Vendors will showcase their products those same hours on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and the last day will be October 27th. The market will start this season with Rebecca Grella as manager and main market contact. I started at the end of last year. This will be my first full year, she said. I used to be a vendor there years ago. When I came into the market last summer, they told me they were looking for a full-time manager and they wanted me to apply. I know the lay of the land and I know most of the vendors, so it worked out well. She was hired as manager in September after thinking about it for a day or two. I have 25 committed vendors so far, with Friday being the busiest day. Tuesdays and Thursdays are fewer vendors, but we don't know how many. It varies with people's schedules, she said. Everybody's very excited about the beginning of the market. It's going to be a gorgeous day. Vendors look forward to seeing some of the old customers from last year as well as new ones, Grella said. Those who still want to be vendors must submit an application and the board has to review it. The applicant could get a response in about a week. They can get an application from me at the market shed. It's an 8 by 10 wooden shed and I work out of that, Grella said. On Friday, customers can enter a drawing, the market manager said. We have several baskets that we're giving away toward the end of June. The customers want to come over and see about that, she said. I'll have the ticket for them to fill out. There are several new vendors to the market, Grella said. She updates the list of those present, along with any specials and items in season, on the market's Facebook page. State warns of harmful algae blooms, Albany. State residents are reminded to be aware of harmful algae blooms, State Department of Environmental Conservation officials said in a news release. The notification season for the blooms, also known as HABs, is underway. With resources such as the online HABs map and reporting system, New York is a national leader in supporting initiatives to swiftly and effectively respond to HABs statewide. We encourage New Yorkers to be on the lookout for HABs and report any sightings to the DEC, said Commissioner Basil Sagos. DEC and DOH experts will continue to work closely with local partners to investigate HABs, make significant investments to prevent excess nutrients and other contaminants from affecting water quality, and monitor potential threats to the health or recreational use of water bodies. As we enter the warmer months, New Yorkers should be aware that the primary exposure to harmful algae blooms is through recreational contact. New York State beaches close swim areas when any suspicious blooms are sighted, and New York State public drinking water supplies have effective protocols and treatment for HABs and toxins, added State Health Commissioner Dr. Mary T. Bassett. It's easy to avoid risks by staying away from any discolored waters, blooms, and scums, and recreating in areas where the water is clear. 
People should always rinse off if they have had contact with a bloom and immediately seek veterinary care if noticing any symptoms in your pets if they consumed bloom material or had contact with blooms. The New York HABS reporting system allows the public and trained citizens to send reports of HABS to the DEC electronically via a simple user and mobile phone friendly form. The reports, once evaluated by DEC and DOH, are posted to the New York HABS page. The system features an interactive map of current and archived bloom locations to help keep New Yorkers informed. HABS have been monitored closely statewide since 2012. When it comes to HABS, the DEC encourages New Yorkers to know it, avoid it, report it. HABS vary in appearance from scattered green dots in the water to long linear green streaks, sea soup or spilled green paint, blue-green or white coloration. People, pets, and livestock should avoid contact with water that is discolored or has algal scums on the surface, the DEC said. If members of the public suspect a HAB, report it through the New York HAB's online reporting form available on DEC's website. Symptoms or health concerns related to HABs should be reported to DOH at harmfulalgae@health.ny.gov. For more information about HABs, including bloom notifications, which are updated daily through fall, visit DEC's Harmful Algae Blooms webpage. The HABs Program Guide, which includes information and links to resources regarding bloom prevention, management, and control, can also be downloaded from the DEC website. Obituaries Tuesday, May 30th Catherine A. Zuch, 89, of Perry Myron L. Mike Day, 86, of Oakfield. Wednesday, May 31st, Audrey Jean Hurd, 93, of Oakfield. Constance M. Honey Spring, 73, of Plymouth. Mrs. Margaret A. Peg Smith, 91, formerly of Bergen, Batavia, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Utica. Joyce Pupicha, 86, of Bethany. James Cameron Young, 92, formerly of Alexander. Joseph S. Orlowski, 60, of Attica. Richard Nichols. Thursday, June 1st. Susan J. Call, 77. Kakuko Mitzi Carley. Sharon R. Royce, 73, of Leroy. Joseph L. Frank, 84, of Batavia. Now some upcoming events. Mother Teresa Outreach is Saturday, Leroy. Local families in need of essential living items are invited to a drive through Mother Teresa Outreach on Saturday. The event will take place noon to 2 p.m. at Our Lady of Mercy Parish Center on 44 Lake Street. It will provide non-food essential items to those in the community who are in need. With the drive through format, volunteers will bring items to individuals' vehicles. Families in need are defined as those not able to provide the items on their own. Examples of items available are diapers and wipes, toothbrush, paste and floss, shampoo, deodorant, dish soap, laundry detergent, tissues, sanitary products, razors and shaving cream, soaps, toilet paper, paper towels and napkins, hairbrushes, combs and hair ties, and adult diapers. Quantity restrictions will apply. Items will be distributed while supplies last. The event is an Our Lady of Mercy and St. Bridget Ministry. Presbyterian Church plans chicken barbecue, East Bethany. A chicken barbecue will be conducted Sunday at East Bethany Presbyterian Church. The barbecue will take place noon to 2 p.m. at the church at 5735 Ellicott Street Road, church officials said. Drive-through and takeout options will be available. 
Dinner will include chicken, salt potatoes, macaroni salad, and a roll and a cookie. Meals will cost $14. Call 585-356-4906 for tickets. Attica Garden Club Hosting Annual Sale The Attica Garden Club will host its annual plant sale on Saturday. The sale will be conducted 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at St. Luke's Church on Faber Street, organizer said in a news release. The sale will include many perennials, houseplants, vegetable plants, and annuals. A raffle for a variety of garden products will also take place. Attica Garden Club supports an annual scholarship for an Attica High School senior, contributes to the Attica Library and Gateway Home, and maintains the garden at the entrance of the Village Park. Prime. Two people charged in Orleans thefts, Albion. The recovery of numerous stolen items in Clarendon led to the arrests of two people, Sheriff Christopher M. Burke said Friday. The items were recovered after a lengthy investigation by the Orleans and Monroe County Sheriff's offices. Monroe County deputies were investigating a string of thefts from stores around the Brockport area. Information led them to 4216 Fancher Road in Clarendon. A search warrant was executed and investigators recovered a stolen UTV, a zero-turn lawnmower, a jet ski, a large co-behind camper, and more. Some items had been modified to conceal or remove vehicle identification numbers. The suspects had fled the state shortly after the execution of the warrant. Jennifer T. Sportsman, 48, was arrested May 5th when she returned to the residence to retrieve property. She was charged with four counts of third-degree criminal possession of stolen property, fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property, and misdemeanor fourth-degree criminal facilitation. She was arraigned in county court and released on her own reconnaissance. Wade J. Murphy, 50, was located and arrested in South Carolina on May 20th and is awaiting extradition to Orleans County. He is being charged with four counts of third-degree criminal possession of stolen property, fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property, third-degree criminal possession of a weapon, and fourth-degree criminal possession of a weapon. Murphy has additional charges in South Carolina. Blotter, Darianne. An Elmira man was charged Monday after an incident at Darien Lake Theme Park, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. Joshua R. Brown, 25, of Spalding Street, trespassed in an enclosed area, deputy said. He then allegedly fought with security. Brown was charged with third-degree criminal trespassing and second-degree harassment. He is to appear June 16th in town court. Batavia. A city woman was charged May 17th after a traffic stop on East Main Street, city police said. Heather N. Holbrook, 38, was found to have an active warrant from the Genesee County Sheriff's Office, police said. She was then allegedly found to possess a significant amount of a narcotic. She was charged with third-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell and fourth-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance. She is to appear June 6th in city court. Jeremy P. Holbrook was charged May 17th after a traffic stop, city police said. Holbrook, 40, of West Virgin Road, was found to possess a controlled substance, police said. He was charged with 7th degree criminal possession of a controlled substance and is to appear June 6th in city court. An Alexander man was charged May 17th after a traffic stop, city police said. Nathaniel L. Beglinger, 31, of Kevener Road, was found in possession of a controlled substance, police said. He was charged with seventh-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance, second-degree criminality using drug paraphernalia, and driving with an obstructed view. Eglinger is to appear June 6th in city court.
A traffic stop on May 17th resulted in charges against a city woman. City police said Rosemary R. Waters, 37 of East Main Street, was charged with 7th degree criminal possession of a controlled substance. She was committed to Genesee County Jail in lieu of $1 bail and is to appear May 30th in city court. A city woman was charged in connection with a May 7th disturbance on Ellicott Street, city police said. Chantel C. Holmes, 23, hit another person in the head with a shovel and damaged property, city police said. She was taken into custody the following day when she appeared in city court on other charges. Holmes was charged with third-degree assault and fourth-degree criminal mischief. She is to appear in city court at a later date. Trio charged after wild car chase. Matt Sertel, Albion. Three men are facing felony charges after a wild 100-mile-per-hour car chase and manhunt that began in the village. Albion police were notified about 12.05 p.m. Monday of a white Chrysler 300 driving northbound into the village on Route 98. It had reportedly been stolen in the city of Tonawanda. Patrols were then advised Sirius XM had traced the car to another location in the village. Officers checked the area but didn't find it. The car was located later on Intersoul Street, police said. It began to flee southbound erratically as a patrol car confirmed it was stolen. The Chrysler then drove eastbound on East State Street at more than 100 miles per hour with Albion police in pursuit. It turned left onto Butts Road and headed north. Three men eventually exited the car in the area just south of Route 104 and Crandall Road. It rolled off the roadway and eventually came to rest off the road. An observant homeowner directed responding units to the approximate area where the men had fled. A perimeter was set up with multiple canine units and a state police helicopter assisting the search. One of the three men was taken into custody without incident, deputy said. The search was then called off due to weather and terrain, while Albion police continued their investigation, trying to identify the remaining two men. Yet another observant person saw the duo later in the afternoon near the original incident location, police said. Patrols took them into custody, again without incident, about 3.6 miles from the original crash site and seven hours after the incident began. Those charged included Soy Oop 20 of North Carolina, was charged with first-degree reckless endangerment, fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property, third-degree unlawfully fleeing police in a motor vehicle, and multiple vehicle and traffic violations. Nathaniel Thompson, 22, was charged with fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property. Thobie Osborne, 21, was charged with fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property. Thompson and Osborne are formerly of North Carolina but now live in the Albion area, police said. All three men were released with appearance tickets, police said, citing bail reform laws. Albion police are thanking the multiple agencies which assisted the search and investigation. They included state police, the Albion and Niagara County Sheriff's Office, Medina Police, the Orleans County Major Felony Crimes Task Force, Orleans County Emergency Management, and the Albion Fire Department. Police are likewise thanking the observant area residents, along with Browns Golf Course and area homeowners who provided patrols with equipment. Father and son face charges together. Brian Quinn, Albion. The father and son have been charged after a traffic stop revealed their vehicle was stolen, Albion police said. Patrick McMillan, 21, of Rochester, was stopped Friday for speeding, police said. Further investigation allegedly revealed his vehicle has been stolen this past March by a rental company in Broome County. McMillan was charged with fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property and speed in zone. 
His father, Marcus McMillan, 38, of Rochester, Binghamton, was charged with fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property. He was also allegedly found to be wanted by State Patrol Division on a patrol absconder warrant. Patrick McMillan was released while Marcus McMillan was committed to Orleans County Jail. Marcus has been released this past August from Elmira Correctional Facility after serving more than 10 years for beating and stomping a man during a 2011 dispute in Rochester. The victim was severely injured and died shortly afterward at a city hospital. McMillan was convicted of first-degree manslaughter, first-degree assault, and third-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance in connection with the incident. He had also served four years from 2006 to 2010 after being convicted of fourth-degree criminal possession of stolen property. Lauder, Batavia. A traffic stop on May 14th resulted in charges against a city man. Donald F. Oziel, 55, of Franklin Street, was stopped on Ellicott Street, city police said. He was charged with DWI and insufficient tail lamps. Arraignment was set for today in city court. The city woman was charged May 8th after a crash in a parking lot on North Street. City police investigated a report of a vehicle backing over a sidewalk curb and into another vehicle. Ashley Davis, 34, of Walden Creek Drive, was charged with DWI, unlicensed operation, and unsafe backing. She is to appear May 24th in city court. A village man was charged May 12th after a fight at an East Main Street business, city police said. Kevin M. McCoy, 56, of East Main Street, was charged with trespassing and second-degree harassment, police said. He was to appear this past Tuesday in city court. Lakeisha A. Gibson was charged May 15th after she failed to answer a subpoena to appear at a trial, city police said. Gibson, 36, of Park Road in Batavia, was charged with second-degree criminal contempt. She was to appear this past Tuesday in city court. A city woman was charged May 16th after an incident at a North Street address. Carolyn L. Curick, 80, of West Main Street, refused to leave the location, city police said. After a lengthy negotiation with officers, she allegedly kicked and scratched them while being removed. Curick was charged with trespassing and second-degree harassment. She was to appear this past Tuesday in city court. A city woman was charged May 16th with 7th degree criminal possession of a controlled substance. Zakara R. Jackson, 19, of Trumbull Parkway, had been taken into custody on bench warrants when she was found to possess a narcotic and drug paraphernalia, city police said. She is to appear in court at a later date. A report of a suspicious person resulted in several charges against a city man. City police responded May 21st to Vine Street for a report of a person entering driveways and checking car door handles. Officers located TCN Ayala, 24 of Walnut Street, shortly afterward. Ayala allegedly led officers on a foot pursuit through backyards before being caught. He was charged with second-degree obstruction of government administration, criminal impersonation, and trespassing. He is to appear June 6th in city court. Alabama, a homeless man is facing a felony charge after investigation of a theft at a residence, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. Richard A. Demmer, 30, stole property and then sold it at a store on Veterans Memorial Drive, deputy said. He also allegedly falsified a bill of sale. Demmer was charged with first-degree falsifying business records and petty larceny. He is to appear June 13th in Batavia Town Court and June 20th in Alabama Town Court. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Monsignor McCarthy passes away. Matt Sertel, Batavia. 
a well-known priest who served the city and was a latter-day legend in the Diocese of Buffalo, has passed away. Reverend Monsignor Leo McCarthy, 90, died May 21st. He led the former St. Joseph's Parish in Batavia from about 1995 to 2008 and then served as temporary administrator of Resurrection Parish. McCarthy was ordained in 1959 and embarked on a career at parishes large and small. He was known as a man of exceptional faith, an exceptional athlete, and a visionary spiritual leader and administrator. Among other accomplishments in a long career, he directed three boys' choirs, one of which released a Christmas record album in the 1960s and coached numerous sports teams. I always thought the greatest outreach is to educate, McCarthy told the Daily News in a 2008 interview shortly before he moved on to a North Tonawanda parish. You give them something, but you teach them to take care of themselves, and not only that, but to take care of others. The best way to form and mold for the church are young people. Sports was a big part of that philosophy. Sometimes you could reach them a lot easier by sports than you could by a sermon in the pulpit, McCarthy said at the time. A lot of the Christian values come out in the gridiron, or the court, or the rink. He ended his service in Batavia with the words forgiveness, gratitude, and love during his farewell mass. McCarthy wished to assure parishioners they are forgiven if they knowingly or unknowingly offended him and asked for the same in return. He also expressed his gratitude for the support the members of St. Joseph's Church have given him over the years and the welcome and respect offered by St. Mary's as the two parishes merged. Lastly, please know that Resurrection Parish of Batavia, St. Joseph's School, and Notre Dame will always hold a very special place in the deep recesses of my heart, he said. Over the decades, McCarthy received awards, including the Boy Scout St. George Award, National Police Athletic Award, City of Buffalo Volunteer for Youth Award, Man of the Year Award for Buffalo, and Sierra Club Award for Vocations Work, according to the Western New York Catholic Newspaper. In 2017, he was honored at Cure of Ours Dinner for his work in promoting vocations to the youth. He also served as chaplain in a number of capacities, including for the Buffalo Police Department, Catholic Postal and Telephone Workers, and the Erie County Sheriff's Department. He also served as the director of a men's organization, the Holy Name Society, in addition to his roles as the pastor of various churches. McCarthy was placed briefly on administrative leave in 2021 after an abuse allegation was filed publicly against him. It dated to 1982 and was not legally served against the diocese. McCarthy denied ever committing any acts of abuse and cooperated with the investigation. The accusation was found to be unsubstantiated. A mass of Christian burial was set for 10 a.m. today, Tuesday, at Blessed Sacrament Church in Buffalo. A Solemn Holiday, Batavia In many ways, every day is Memorial Day, said one of the speakers who shared their thoughts during the ceremonies held in Batavia to mark this year's solemn holiday. Associate Director for the VA Western New York Healthcare System, Royce Calhoun, said Monday's holiday and the past weekend of remembrance is important to his department. Clearly, it is also significant to all of you, since you are dedicating time to honor our fallen service members today, he said Monday morning as audience listened on the VA grounds. It is also our obligation to show gratitude and support for our Gold Star families who lost their loved ones in defense of our nation. We owe it to them to pay our respects and reflect on the high cost of freedom, which they know too well. Calhoun said President Abraham Lincoln realized the need to start the VA, found national cemeteries, and established Memorial Day itself. 
President Lincoln understood that obligation America had to those who sacrificed so much during the Civil War to keep this nation united, Calhoun said. He spoke of this in 1865 in his second inaugural address shortly before he was assassinated. His final words urged Americans to care for veterans and ultimately led to the creation of the Veterans Administration, now known as the Department of Veterans Affairs. The department fights every day for veterans to receive their best health care and earned benefits. With our new PACT Act legislation signed just last year, we will continue to reach out to those veterans who may need our assistance, Calhoun said. I know from considerable time I have worked here in Batavia that every day in many ways is like Memorial Day. Our team members are always aware of the sacrifices that are made by these brave men and women who served and many who have passed through as special members of our fallen ranks. Calhoun thanked the VA staff and volunteers for making the ceremony possible. Lastly, thank you to all for being here, he told the audience. Thank you for supporting veterans and their families. When the county held its last ceremony on the morning of Memorial Day at the Jerome Center, Jessica Patnode, Director of Nursing at United Memorial Medical Center, said UMMC is proud to partner with local Veterans Services Agency on this day of respect and mourning. We gather to honor the brave men and women of the United States Armed Forces who gave their lives in defense of our nation, she said. That note said UMMC joins with the community to thank all those who have served or who will serve and their family members. As a nurse, I learned medical skills in nursing school, but for the courage it takes to keep going through a crisis like the pandemic, we all endured. The United Memorial Team takes inspiration from our nation's armed forces, she said. These men and women teach us how to step up so others may live, she said. They show us how to stay strong when times get hard. County Veterans Service Agency Director William Joyce read the names of about 130 veterans who died between last May and this May. They served during conflicts from World War II to the War on Terrorism. Toward the end of the ceremony at the Jerome Center, Joyce's request for the community on Memorial Day was to walk up to a veteran and thank that veteran for his or her service. We all served and served honorably, he said. Ceremony Honors Perry's Fallen, Margaret Lee, Perry Memorial Day in the village and other Wyoming County communities was commemorated with a parade, speeches, and the placement of wreaths during the annual memorial at the Perry Vets Club. Parades also took place in Arcade, Attica, Bennington, Castile, and Eagle, among other area communities. The day's events often culminated with solemn ceremonies and rifle salutes at local memorials or in area cemeteries. Memorial Day is a day in which communities traditionally honor those who have died in service to the country. In Perry, the parade included a large contingent of participants. They included the Perry High School Band, Boy Scouts, KM Dance Center, the Perry Fire Department, and Ambulance. Mayor Rick Hauser led the parade procession with a Perry police officer and spoke at the ceremony along with Town Supervisor Jim Brick. This lawn is sacred ground to me, said Hauser, referring to the ground of the Vets Club. Hauser spoke of how proud he was that the American Legion, the VFW, and the Vets Club supporting Perry's and other area veterans. I love the connection between our small town and our great nation today, Hauser said. The parade began on Main Street near the old Perry Cemetery and moved through the village along Main Street. It then turned onto Mill Street toward the Vets Club on Lake Street, where a wreath was placed on the American Legion's memorial monument. VFW Post 5009 offered a gun salute and taps. Wyoming County Undersheriff Colin Reagan spoke at the ceremony and said he was impressed with the turnout of community members. He discussed the importance of Memorial Day as a day of remembrance, not only to remember those lost at war, but those who came home that have since been lost. Andrea Harder, 
has lived in Perry more than 18 years and has been watching the parade for the last 10. Her 11-year-old daughter, Katia Wilcox, has been a part of the KM Dance Center for the last seven years. Katia loves participating in the parade and passing out candy. Carter is a nurse at the New York State Veterans Home in Batavia and said she has learned a lot taking care of veterans who served there. Carter said it's important to remember veterans who have served. Pastor Eric Kelly gave the invocation and benediction to close the ceremony. Commander A.J. Sporletter of American Legion Post 350 announced that eventually there will be a new monument built to replace the current memorial at the Vets Club. Just before the rifle salute and taps, a Legion member read the names of veterans who have passed who were from Perry. Medina Library Receives Literacy Grant Lee Whedon Memorial Library, 620 West Avenue, is among the recipients of a Dollar General Literacy Foundation Award. The library received $1,375, the only award made by the foundation in the four-county Glow region. The foundation awarded more than $240,000 in literacy grants to nonprofit organizations, libraries, and schools in New York State to support adult, family, and summer literacy programs. Funds are part of the foundation's one-day literacy donation of more than $13 million throughout the 47 states in which Dollar General operates. The grants are designed to support schools, public libraries, and nonprofit organizations within a 15-mile radius of a Dollar General store or distribution center to implement new literacy initiatives or expanding existing ones. Funding may be used to purchase new technology, equipment, books, materials, or software to enhance literacy programs. For more information about the Foundation's literacy grant programs, go to https colon slash slash www.dgliteracy.org. Jagged Edges marks new space. Brian Quinn, Batavia. Having made the move from Veterans Memorial Drive to State Street, Jagged Edges Salon continues the service it's been providing for the last 12 years. Owner Amanda Lowe, who teamed up with the Genesee County Chamber of Commerce for a ribbon-cutting ceremony last week, said she wanted to thank everyone who helped, including family, friends, and staff. My kids were here helping. My husband Raymond did a ton of the work for me. Some really great contractor, she said. It makes it so much better to have such a supportive team behind you. It's way more rewarding to share it with people who care just as much as you do. Lowe said she moved to 4 State Street so Jagged Edges could have its own space and a different setting. It works a lot better for the flow of our business. We needed a little bit more room than we had in our old location, she said. I think it's a little more comfortable for our customers over here, too. I think it's a couple hundred square feet bigger, and it has a full basement downstairs also. We have a lot more storage, training areas, and things like that for our staff. There are 10 of us. I'm able to add a couple more stylists over here. Customers like Jagged Edge's new location as well. They like the aesthetic a lot better. There's more space, Lowe said. We didn't have a lot of seating or waiting room over there on Veterans Memorial Drive. It's a little more comfortable, too. I feel like it's more welcoming in this location also. The team at Jagged Edges works together so well, Lowe said. Customers would feel more like family than they would customers. We always are continuing our education. We can offer different hair services and recommendations, she said. Jagged Edges opened on State Street on April 25th. We bought the building, so it's a little bit more of an investment for the future of the business and for our employees, too, Lowe said. Dogs gear up with scrimmage. Nate Ryder, Batavia. The Batavia Muck Dogs are just days from beginning their third season in the Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League as they will open the 2023 campaign this weekend. 
Batavia is scheduled to begin the season on the road at Elmira on Friday night, while the home opener is set for Saturday at Dwyer Stadium. Saturday's game will begin a slate of 29 home games for the Muck Dogs this season. On Tuesday, the Muck Dogs participated in their black-red inter-squad scrimmage as they continued to work themselves into shape. With plenty of new players and a few familiar faces, Batavia will have a lot to live up to following last summer's success. Last season, the Muck Dogs captured the West Division Championship while they came within one win of winning the PGCBL title, falling to Amsterdam in three games. The 2022 campaign was a banner one for Batavia, but it had to overcome numerous obstacles. Player departures and frustrating losing streaks slowed the Muck Dogs down at times, but they were able to rebound for the division title. The Muck Dogs started last season off hot and burst right out of the gate, going 10-2 in their first 12 games. Throughout the season, the team stuck together and rallied behind manager Skip Martinez. Tavia would bounce back from an up-and-down stretch to win five of its final six games heading into the postseason to earn the number one seed in the West Division. After finishing 22-19 and in their first season in the PGCBL, the Muck Dogs jumped back to an impressive 30-15 last season. As in the first two years, a number of former local high school players will dot the Muck Dogs roster this summer. The local players in this year's team will include the likes of Batavia High School alumnus Alex Hale, Alexander's Tyrone Woods, and Albion's Tyler Gibson. Hale appeared in seven games last season for Batavia and was 1-0 with a 3.46 ERA. Among the many familiar faces that will be returning for another year of Muck Dogs baseball are Trey Bacon, Julian Pichardo, Josh Leadham, Caleb Rodriguez, Bryce Mortalero from the 2021 season, Ryan Kinney, and Tyler Henshaw. Leadham will be the leading returning hitter for Batavia after he batted 348 with eight doubles, 33 runs scored, and 22 runs batted in, while he also stole 29 bases. Rodriguez hit 254 in 30 games last season with 15 runs scored and eight RBIs in 2022. Bacon hit 244 with five runs scored and seven runs batted in, while he was also 3-0 with a 1.58 ERA and three saves. Henshaw was 1-1 in 10 games with a 1.95 ERA. Chardo was 1-0 with a 3.2 ERA in 19 and two-third innings. Ace of the West Division champions last season, Nolan Sparks, was named the 2022 Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League Pitcher of the Year. In Batavia's second season as a collegiate summer ball team, Sparks was the first muck dog to win a major award from the PGCBL. The Aurora, Colorado native was outstanding across 41 and two-third innings of work for the Muck Dogs. In nine regular season appearances, which included eight starts, the right-hander surrendered only one earned and led all qualified pitchers with a .22 earned run average. It's the first time a qualified pitcher finished with a sub-1 ERA in the league since Amsterdam Mohawk Cameron Inc. logged a .32 ERA during the summer of 2016. Overall, the University of Rochester, then junior, went 5-1 with one save and 45 strikeouts against only nine walks. Sparks compiled a paltry .67 whip with a .131 batting average against. Of the 19 hits Sparks surrendered, only three went for extra bases and none left the yard. Five of his nine appearances were of the scoreless variety. Starting with the home opener, Batavia will have three straight games at Dwyer Stadium, while the Muck Dogs will play five of their first eight contests in Batavia. Batavia is also scheduled to close the season with three of four games at home. Friends honored at GCASA Gathering, Mike Petinella, Batavia. 
Genesee Orleans Council on Alcoholism and Substance Abuse officials honored six friends of the nonprofit agency and five GCASA Foundation scholarship winners. The accolades came during GCASA's recent annual meeting at Terry Hill's Restaurant. Friends of GCASA Awards went to the City of Batavia Fire Department, Orleans County Sheriff's Deputy Matt Crawl, Patrick Sassier, Heather Jackson, Mercy Flight EMS, and the United Memorial Medical Center Moms Program. Scholarship recipients for 2023 are Carly Surasani, Ariana Hale, Valerie Pastor, Lauren Reimer, and Lily Latorno. They each received $1,000 for enrolling in fields relating to human services and or social services. Details included, City of Batavia Fire Department was recognized for becoming the first public safety-assisted addiction and recovery initiative fire department in the state. It is one of only a few fire companies in the United States to take part in PAARI, which enables people struggling with substance use to reach out to police and fire department personnel for help without fear of arrest. Deputy Matt Rawl, a school resource officer for the Albion Central School District, developed a fentanyl awareness presentation to 5th through 12th graders, which includes a video about the deadly drug for families to review. He is also a leading member of the school's Prom Awareness Committee and is committed to delivering the message of making safe and healthy choices. Patrick Sassier works at the Genesee County Public Defender's Office as a social worker slash case manager. He has consistently assisted clients of GCASA as they navigate the legal system, advocating for all with fairness, professionalism, and compassion. Heather Jackson, an Orleans County Social Services caseworker and former probation officer, has worked collaboratively with GCASA counselors in various areas, notably assisting with patient-centered treatment plans and through programs that provide essential services to youth clients of JCASA. She also chairs Orleans County's National Night Out, an event that brings law enforcement and community groups together in an alcohol and drug-free setting. Mercy Flight EMS, with its operations center on Call Parkway, Batavia, has been called upon more frequently as GCASA's medical needs have increased since the inception of its detoxification program. It was recognized for the kind and respectful way in which personnel has interacted with clients. Mercy Flight EMS staff also were commended for listening to GCASA's clinical recommendations, especially when transporting individuals to other facilities. The UMMC Moms Program, specifically Megan Boring and Jay Baldoff, has partnered with Healthy Moms, Healthy Babies initiative at GCASA. Boring and Baldoff were honored for making themselves available to serve GCASA clients as a referral source to those who have yet to receive support for their substance use disorder. Boring has made great strides through her coordinator role of the prenatal task force in Batavia, while Baldoff shared her wealth of experience as a registered nurse and maternal health educator at UMMC Healthy Living. Carly Sarasani, 2023 graduate of Pembroke High School, who is considering attending Brown University in the fall to study psychology with the long-term goal of obtaining a doctorate degree, aspires to improving others' lives, especially children. Ariana Hale, a 2023 graduate of Pembroke High School, will be attending Genesee Community College in the fall to study humanities and social science, with plans to go on from there to earn a degree in psychology. She said she wants to focus her energies on people who need care and support. Valerie Pastor, a 2023 graduate of Byron Virgin High School, plans to attend Alfred University in the fall to study psychology. She seeks to work in the healthcare field with an eye on helping people through research. 
Lauren Reimer, a 2023 graduate of Batavia High, will be receiving her associate's degree from Genesee Community College this spring through advanced placement credits. Her future college plans are to be determined, but she plans to study biomedical sciences. Lily Latorno graduated with a bachelor's degree from the State University of New York at New Paltz and currently is enrolled in the New York State Fellowship Program through the Genesee and Orleans Health Department. She has assisted in a project with Genesee County Mental Health to assess the impact of COVID-19 on mental health services. She is pursuing a master's degree in social work from the University of Buffalo. Lynn Strzelecki and Bradley Mazur were elected as new members of the GCASA Board of Directors, while President Tim Batzel and Directors Jackie Dunham and Patty Kepner were re-elected. All terms are three years. Strzelecki is a previous CSASA director, while Mazur, the Genesee County Undersheriff, joins for the first time. Mazur is chair of the Genesee County Stop DWI Advisory Council. Batzel, Vice President Katie Cotter, and Secretary-Treasurer Fred Rarick were re-elected. In 2022, GCASA prevention educators provided services to more than 36,000 youth and adults with the Western New York Prevention Resource Center, providing 18 trainings to nearly 500 people. GOW Opioid Task Force lists 460 active members, with many of them trained in the administration of naloxone, a medication that reverses opioid overdoses. On the clinical side, GCASA opened a 16-bed detox center in Batavia in early 2022. Medication programs now serve more than 300 individuals in two locations, with clinical visits topping 21,000 last year. The Genesee Opioid Treatment Program and Outpatient Clinic were awarded an integrated certificate to create a seamless program for outpatient services. Islands will transition to food truck. Otavia. Islands Hawaiian Grill will close its restaurant at 60 Main Street June 10th. But Islands has let the community know it won't be the end of the business. We have some news to share, as the saying goes, good news and bad news. The bad news is we will be closing our physical location with the last day being Saturday, June 10th. But the good news is we are transitioning to a food truck, the restaurant posted on its Facebook site Friday. Islands, owned by Courtney Kunichika, said on Facebook that it wanted to thank its amazing customers. We truly appreciate your patronage, as well as friendship, as part of our Islands Ohana. As we get things rolling, pun intended, we hope to see you when we're in Batavia serving up Island Grints. The restaurant wrote, This has been an incredible four-year journey for us that took a lot of hard work and dedication. As our family continues to grow, this is the best option to have the flexibility to enjoy both work and home life. Islands says customers with gift certificates after it closes may reach out for a full cash refund or use the gift certificates at the food truck. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features from the May 30th through June 1st issues of the Batavia Daily News. Your reader has been Chris. Thank you for listening.